This is a Not Just A Guy production. Let me talk at ya. Welcome back to Not Just A Guy, NJAG. I'm your host, Not Just A Guy, The Guy, Garrett Briones. The show about struggling storytellers. And this is a, 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 a first. This is the first episode with a guest. And when I, I think long and hard about who I wanted as my, my inaugural guest, I thought of no one better than the Abushi to my Omega, the Carnage to my Venom, founding member of the Brioni's Club, a.k.a. Brioni's Club Gold, a.k.a. the Pew Pew Crew, a.k.a. Top Shelf Marauders, because Brioni's Club is for Lara, and one half of CU, a.k.a. criminally underrated, my best friend, Roberto Lara. Yeah. Wow. Well, that, that's history right there. That's the first thing anyone else has ever said on this show. I'm very happy to have you. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Uh, are you just gonna? Are we both just gonna keep ripping off, uh, formerly known as Eli Drake, currently LA Knight? Yeah. Okay. No. So, so the, oh, oh, you had something no, else to add? No, no. You're not happy to be here? I'm happy to be here, dude. You're you're an avid listener, uh, number one fan. Next, right next to Andrew Bellish, other lovely boy. I <laughs> uh, love him. Uh, hopefully, he's listening to this in his Jeep. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Love the podcast. I'm anything you do. I'm always supporting it. Okay, okay, okay. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> okay, so I'm currently back home, back in the town that made me, the town that made us, Portable, California. Uh, I needed a little, uh, little reset. Life has been extra tough recently, and so I thought this was a way to further, you know, bring people in, show, uh, show what I'm about, and also highlight, spotlight one of my best friends who, you know, in in only 24 years on this planet you've already seen and done so much can you can you tell a little bit a little let's let's, regale us with what you've been doing uh since you've been a high school graduate what what is who is roberto lara I so so you put me on blast yeah here you take the (laughs) mic here we go cut a promo uh you guys can't see but we're we're recording this on on a mic and um got a point right at your lips i had to yeah it's called a promo. Yeah. You gotta learn how to no do one. It's a promo class. We're doing a um, we're doing this podcast on a mic, a little mic. So we're passing it back and forth, and it feels kind of sacred to hold the mic. Yeah. So to take the mic from the guy. This is the first episode with yeah, that mic. Yeah, man. I'm holding the mic. Yeah. Yeah. Since high school, just living life. I I was working three jobs at the time at Domino's, Route 21, and I just got brought onto Applebee's where I just realized like dude I have no license no car my mom was driving me everywhere I just was like I can't do this anymore there has to be something better out there and I ended up just going to the army you know what every smart guy does yeah Yeah, I went to the army I did a two-year contract thinking we'll see what how how I like it I ended up loving it I originally joined as a paralegal I went up to like the testing site where they test and stuff and that they were they were like oh if you've smoked weed or done any drugs you need to let us all know right now like right now this is your last chance <laughs> if you get caught you're going to jail and i'm there like oh man well i haven't smoked weed at the time i didn't smoke any weed i didn't drink anything like that and then i was around my friends that were smoking like the weekend before and i was like dude what if i breathed it in what if i took yeah. a deep breath or something oh i got paranoid and i was like yeah i might have some in my system and they were just like, well, what do you mean might? And I told them what happened, you know? Mm-hmm. So they ended up just cutting their losses. Like, oh, they took away my secret security clearance. They took away, like, the things that I needed for that job. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up just, they gave me the choice. Do you want to be a mechanic, a fueler, or a cook? And I was like, oh, I love cooking. <laughs> I love cooking. Yeah, so... I ended up being a cook in the army for two years. I ended up loving it. Stationed in Savannah, Georgia. Kind of to just give you the rundown, two years in Savannah, loved it. Ended up re-enlisting for three years. Uh, I chose to do a year and a half to stay in Savannah and my other year and a half to finish in Korea. And then, you know, just like what you're going through, like I, I had, I was struggling. Like I wanted to tell a story. I wanted to live my life. I wanted to 
do what was best for me and I just needed a reset. I needed to come home, be with my friends, be with my family. And now like having been home and out the military, I have a whole new life open up to me and a whole different, I wanted to finish the story I was telling and yeah. I just opened a whole new book, just oh, put it down. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, because I think a big thing is, you know, this show is obviously it's about struggling storytellers and yes, because I'm a filmmaker that it's very adjacent to that industry. But I think something on a broader level is that, you know, we all we, we all are storytellers, you know, whether it's you're telling your buddy a story at the bar or you're driving somewhere with your parent and they're telling you about, oh, well, I drove this same road. 20 years ago when I was, you know, your age and things like that. And that's why I wanted to have you on was because we are, we're both people, we we're the same age and we, you know, we've known each other since kindergarten and we're both in that, that point where you, at least for me, I don't want to speak for you, where you kind of think that you're supposed to have everything already figured out. You know, everybody thinks that by the end of your twenties, you should have things like already figured out and already be on your life path. You know, for myself, I it's been over two years since I graduated from uh, from college and I don't have like a ton to show for that film wise um, but I always have to remind myself that you know it's not it's you know it's not a sprint it's a marathon and so I wanted to ask you you know as someone who was in the armed forces who has now you know you you said you've been to Savannah you've been to Korea and now you're back here what what is it that you want to build towards, uh, you know, whether that's profession-wise or even life-wise, like where you just want to be? Um, what what kind of steps are you taking to do that? Because, like, I, I've given details on how, like, I plan to do this audio drama and I plan to save up for shorts and hopefully get into festivals, things like that. Where, where do you want to go and how do you see yourself getting to that point? Well, before I answer the question, I kind of just want to backtrack, okay. like... Um, when you when you yeah when you say we're best friends i think people really need to understand we are best friends since you said since kindergarten we've been best friends literally we had the same kindergarten teacher uh first grade had different teachers second grade did you have rogers yeah we had the same teacher third grade different fourth grade same fifth grade different sixth grade so on so on and there was a point in time where we weren't friends anymore where we just stopped talking and then a point in time when you just walked up to me, do you want to be friends again? Mm -hmm. And I would never, ever forget that, probably to the day I die, where this guy just came up to me. Do you want to be best friends again? And I said, yeah. Then, you know? Mm. And then it's history, dude. Yeah, so just looking in, it's very different for me to an extent where people, I was getting out of the army, and I wanted to be one of those guys I was in the military, and I was like, Oh, I was going to school at the same time. I was working at other jobs at the same time, you know, and I was, I, w I, I did those things, but I didn't finish. I tend to do a lot of things and I tend to never finish. And that's probably one of my biggest uh, gripes I have with myself is that I, I uh, not that I'm a quitter, just that I get sidetracked. I get on to the next thing. Getting out of the army really opened my eyes. I went to college for a semester, uh, having been back, and I was just kind of like in a, you know, in a funk not depressed but just kind of like dude everybody has the degree everybody's having kids everybody's married everybody's you know probably the same way you feel where you know you're doing your film thing and it's like everyone's graduated and they're now they're working in their industries and stuff but you're in an industry where you can't just yeah. walk in and even the jobs that you have had is like more than what others in your industry could say for me it's like i joined the army straight out of high school and people are like oh well they teach you things that you know, you 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 can still transfer, and to an extent, it's true. But I came out feeling like a loser, like I'm a bum, like I don't know anything, I'm dumb, I'm lame, like you know, just beating myself up. And then I had um some of my college classmates actually telling me like, dude, you've done, you actually told me one time as well, like you've done things other people have never done. You've traveled the world, you've met people from other ethnicities, nationalities, all over, you know, the world, literally. I got to see countries other people would never see. I've been to Korea. My units have been to Greece, Poland, you know, Spain, all these other places. So it's pretty cool. Like, I, I never look at it that way. I never look at myself on the inside, you know. I always see, like, the outside perspective. And they really, like, have highlighted that 
I did learn leadership skills, attributes. Like I, I've, I've learned something most people won't have, and it's just to never give up. Yeah. You know, but I don't know what I want from life right now. Yeah. I, I'm opening a new uh, Adidas store. We don't have an Adidas where we live. They're opening the first like a clearance store, so we're gonna be getting shipment from all over California. Every Adidas in California will be shipping their stuff here, and we'll be selling it for a fraction of whatever the cost is you know that's my main priority right now um i bartend on the side uh you know i train mma every single day jiu-jitsu muay thai boxing wrestling three three hours a day every day so i don't know what i want i kind of just want to see where life takes me dude just you know um collect a check for now work work hard right now you know work hard collect the check and do just do things i enjoy hanging out with you hang out with our other friends going out that's the stuff i enjoy just being home i kind of have to see where life's taking me i don't know yet so you touched on something in there that you know the idea of you know how you you sort of felt like when you came back that you were so in in some ways kind of like left behind or you know or behind other people in life and and that's something you know i i've i've talked a little bit about my college life but you know in, in what you were saying like you were doing something that was super worthwhile and you know yes you weren't going to school at the same time but that's also that's almost like the complete opposite of what i was doing where when i was in college i was just solely focused on that and to be honest i was using school as an excuse like when i really look back on it and i try i try i'm trying to be better about not looking back on things and thinking about like oh i could have done it differently because obviously i made my choices and i need to stick by them i don't need to think about the what ifs but um you know but to to that point i i didn't get a job and my my roommate he you know he got a job and that that helped him and he built up experience and he he was a little bit better at getting future jobs and future opportunities than I was because I didn't have those. I didn't get my first actual official job until, and you know, even you, you, you talked about the three jobs that you had. You know, I got free Domino's or at least reduced price Domino's for like the longest time. I even in high school, the closest I had to a job was like on the weekends, one day every like couple of weeks, I would go and mow someone's lawn, yeah. you know, get sunburned. I didn't have my first official job till I was 21, and uh, during the pandemic, that was when I got my first actual official job. So I think something that people always need to think about is like perspective. Is that just because you did something differently than someone, and yes, maybe that person is. I can't tell you how many times I go on Instagram and I see people like buying my first house and I'm like struggling, you know, I didn't make a dime this summer and, you know, struggling to even pay for the one bedroom I'm in, uh, you know, that I'm sharing in someone's house. And I think another thing is to speak more on, on our, our friendship. It's like you said, it is, it's not just as simple as like, Oh, we've known each other since kindergarten. There's a lot of people I've known since kindergarten. Uh, but that that grounding presence you know it's like i think neither you nor i ever got too big for our britches i will say i think both of us are men who very think very highly of ourselves while also thinking we're the dirt worst yeah. but i think having each other we've always been grounded especially i think the thing that the because we were friends and then we like just drifted apart and then in fourth grade we came back because i wanted to learn more about Yu-Gi-Oh. uh so we reignited our friendship then we went separate again. Middle school, we started getting back back there. And then I think in high school, the biggest thing that brought us together, and it's one of the biggest parts of both of our lives because we started it together. Uh, we didn't jump, we didn't drink the Kool-Aid when everybody else was. We waited a full year to drink that Kool-Aid, which was choir. And I mentioned many times choir being, I've, I've sprinkled in, I, I mentioned whenever I can that I was choir president to people just because I think it makes me sound doesn't make me sound cool, but uh, it's something. But I, I wanted to ask you, because I always think about choir, and, and that's another way. We were telling stories with our with our voices, with our voices. with our with that staccato. With our expressionless faces on that stage. Yeah, you know, make sure, don't breathe out, breathe in. Smile. 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 I wish there was video to see that. Um, <laughs> we love you, Mr. Sutherland. That was our choir teacher. But I wanted to ask, for me, choir was a big... I think I'm not the person I am today, and I'll elaborate on that in a second, uh, without choir. Was that an experience? Because obviously, you know, you had 
you had athletics, you had your wrestling, you know, Mr. Big Wrestling Boy in his jacket, uh, indoctrinating one of our friends into joining it. I almost joined it, and then I immediately retired 0-0 because I got dropped on my back by my friend in practice, and I felt my spine tingle, and I said, you know what, I'm retired, I'm done. But I want to ask you, was choir, was that, because that was something where you were a storyteller, um, was that an experience that you, that changed you in any ways? Because as I said, it, and I'll elaborate later, on how it changed me, but was that what was that experience like for you? I think choir in itself was very like eye-opening for me. Was one because I got other people to join mm-hmm. that I never thought would have joined. Like I joined because you joined, mm-hmm. you joined because I joined. My cousin Louis joined, and he's in high school was one of the most quiet people ever. Yeah. Never spoke. Freshman sophomore year, never spoke a word to anybody. Like unless it, you know they're his friends, but. Mm-hmm. I would like to think more towards junior, senior year, he did start to come out of his yeah. shell. You know, he's saying it. I've, I've heard him sing here and there, but to actually s- get on a stage and sing in front of everyone, I've ne- I never thought I'd see that in my life from him. I sing all the time. <laughs> I don't care if I'm yeah. good, bad, or whatever. I, s- I love music. But I was never like, oh, I want to be in choir. Or, oh, I'm going to be in theater. Like, be a nerd. Yeah, I don't want to be a geek, you know? <laughs> like. But I don't know, I joined and, and and it was, it didn't help me out. I feel like it made me a better person. I feel that uh, before maybe, you know, choir has that stereotype of, oh. Oh, it's Glee. Oh, yeah, like Glee, the yeah. TV show, you know. But, huh, actually. Huh. But, uh, um, What's drama? Yeah, dude, I, I loved it. I loved choir. I loved singing. I wasn't the best. But Mr. Sutherland did a great job of making me feel like the best, you yeah. know. And I feel like he did that with everyone where he wouldn't, oh, maybe that show, that note's a little sharp. Oh, I don't know if that's in your range, but, but, but guiding you through it. And I learned a lot from him personally. And just choir in general was a great experience, confidence wise, commitment wise. I feel like choir was one of those things that we had to be at practices from right after school until eight o'clock at night, like. There's no other club, no other sport, no other anything that was demanding like as much time that choir was, which is weird to think about and look back at. But just the trips we had, like the connections we made, the Heartland trips. I would I would tell anybody right now that the trips going to Heartland throughout high school should be mandatory. Just that. For those who don't know, we would go on a field trip in choir to this Christian camp called Heartland. Maybe in this auditorium that seated about 200 people. We had about 100 people and um, like students. And our teacher would make us do these things called affirmations where one person would stand up. So I would stand up and anybody who had anything nice to say about that person standing up would be allowed to either stand up or raise their hand and get called on or whatever. And in high school, that was so eye-opening where... Like, just for example, like, say, uh, my friend Andres stood up. And it's something I would never say to him to his face. Like, obviously, you're my friend, and I have care about you and stuff. But um, he stood up, and does anyone have anything to say about Andres? And I stand up, and I'm like, dude, you're honestly, like, a brother to me. I see how you support your family on your own. And no one ever asks you if you're ever okay or in a bad mood you always have a smile on your face you're never a negative person you give the your shirt off your back to anybody something like that where we're just breaking down crying you know giving each other praise but in high school to do that in front of everyone regardless of status quo regardless of anything being open created bonds that no one else in our school had and that you can't fake you can't you know and i still talk to him to this day yeah so for choir, not a not the biggest part of my life or the biggest memories, but will always for sure um, have a special spot like for me. Yeah, I think when I think back on on high school, uh, if it wasn't for choir, I think I would have just had I would have had a good time. You know, I still had this. I would still have a lot of the same friends, but I wouldn't have. Like you said, the tightening of those bonds and anybody that has a chance, if you have a choir or, or any kind of group that's anywhere, like it has anything similar to Heartland, I say you jump at it, you know, <laughs> unless it's like a bad group, uh, then don't. For me, what choir uh, unlocked was like the way I was raised, I guess. It's like, you know, I was raised by 
you know, my parents and both of them are, you know, not to put a stamp on it, but, you know, they were raised in like 60s, you know, 60s, 70s. For example, my, my dad isn't the most open with emotions and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just people are built certain ways. Or how they are. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think for a long time, yes, I was expressive, but I don't think I told any of my friends I loved them until I joined choir. Like one of my friends kept telling me, I'll just say his name's Dylan Berkey. He kept telling me he loved me all the time. And I was like, aha, thanks. Like, thanks, man. And then I was like, why am I not saying that to people? And then you go on these, like you said, these Heartland trips. I don't think I've ever experienced such like catharsis. Like you just, you think like, cause people, there was, I would say more often than that, it was like 80 to 85% of people were, were bawling. And you, you sit there and you think, Oh well, when my friends get to me, they're just gonna they're gonna bust my balls in front of everybody. They'll say, you know, they'll 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 end it with something semi sweet, and then you're standing there and you're just I don't I think we take for granted how how many people raise their hand to speak yes. about you was appalling to me. Not not speaking, <laughs> not speaking about you, yeah. but just like who would like to say something nice about this individual? The amount of people were obviously you're gonna have your ones and twos, your friends, but. Mm. The people that maybe you said one thing to in high school will raise their hand and tell that one thing you said, and you don't know the impact that that has on them, you know? And with this podcast, someone could be listening, and I've heard little bits and pieces because I listen to every episode. All three of them. (laughs) All three of them. But I've heard some stuff where I'm just like, huh. 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 I agree with you. Like, seeing that, that, you know, seeing when you expect, like, oh, yeah, my... D- Dylan, Laura, and Sven are gonna raise their hands because those are, those are my guys or my friend Damien. And then like two people you didn't expect put their hands up. Someone, someone that we've known since kindergarten puts their hand up. Things like that. And and to say and also like I will say that we're only supposed to be at heart. You when back in our day you only went for one night. We were the first people that inadvertently, accidentally were there for two nights. I will say that night, uh, we, we, you know, spent the night, we were there and then we were supposed to go home on the bus late at night. And it's the most windy thin road you've ever seen your entire life. And our, our bus, uh, the bus in front of us, uh, no, sorry, the bus behind us gets stuck. And I will always remember one of the, one of the memories burnt into my mind that when I talk about our friendship was we were sitting there, you know, Mr. Sutherland comes on and says, explains to us why we stop randomly. And, you know, told us that the other bus got stuck, uh, that it's not going to be able to get out tonight. Without saying a single word, Laura and I turn and look at each other. It's like a scene out of a movie. We turn, we look at each other, we just sort of nod, and we immediately stand up. And we were two of the first people to give up their seats so that people that needed to get home, you know, people with different ailments, different, uh, just different, maybe weren't comfortable having to stay, were a little freaked out by what happened. And we ended up being like the leaders that were, led the whole, you know, group back, the group of people that wanted to be heroes. Uh, we led them back, and I remember that that that's one of the, the defining moments of our friendship, especially when it comes to choir. Something I've been dying to ask you, and I, I wanted to ask you on, on the pod, uh, because you can be as real and as raw as you want, uh, Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah. You are not. You are the reason why I am such a fan. I have fallen in love with the art of professional wrestling. You have been a lifelong fan ever ever since those days, those early days. I remember you being into it. I was like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I know John Cena. I know The Rock. I know those guys are all right, I guess. And then in in 2016, well, funny enough, connected to choir, I sang John Cena's theme at our first Heartland trip. I sang it with my friend Damien. That got me the choir presidency. And then I, I as I was researching, I was finding myself watching more and more clips. It's like, hey, it's pretty freak freak entertaining okay and so now flash forward to now uh i'm the biggest wrestling fan i watch about four to five hours a week uh i think i annoy you with how much i like it uh even up top there's pro wrestling and this entire podcast is is inspired by pro wrestling as well the whole the guy moniker is very wrestling inspired we have talked for years about you going to train you you be you know you taking on a stage name I want to ask you, and I'm not asking this in any sort of denigrating way or anything. Do you think that is something that you will do? Do you do you fully see yourself doing that? Is that something you know? Do you see you know? You spoke about MMA. Do you see yourself maybe going down to you know entering into different MMA tournaments or when it comes to the world of professional wrestling, sports entertainment, and combat sports? 
do you see yourself having a future in that given how much you you love that that art that medium that sport it's really cool it's really really cool that you asked that just because i want to say it was your first episode you talked about feeling some type of oh no 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 you talked about jack kirby that he should have he didn't want art yeah uh, he told the kid to not do it because he didn't want uh comics to break he his said heart. comics would break his heart yeah. yeah so it's just funny that you mentioned that because that was one of those things that like i said i listened to your podcast and that was one of those things that made me go huh like i would love to have a future in mma but that's so different those guys the professionals the justin gaethje's conor mcgregor george st pierre you know i'm not thinking i want to be one of the the goats one of the the great you know i would love to but those guys are just built different dude and that's a term that's overused nowadays but they're just you can't teach drive and ambition you can't teach dedication you can't teach just heart not that I don't have any of that, yeah. but those guys, I look at them training, I look at them fighting, and I'm just like, I got kicked in the ribs the other day and had to go to the ER. <laughs> like, I broke my ribs, yeah. like, you know? And pro wrestling. Oh, man, dude, my first love, my first <laughs> everything, dude, my first memory, my first live event. Like, people go to concerts, people go to, you know, performances, plays. I went to Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's funny that you ask. Just because my one of my best friends from the army, his name's uh, Alex Perez. I think I think I've told you about him a little bit. He also does podcasts. He has like a YouTube channel. He's very much a foodie. He likes to eat. He likes to review food. That's what his you know shtick is. And he's actually training right now as we speak at the. He I got out of the army in December and I've been living in Porterville in California, you know, ever since since December and and we're now in August. This guy got out in like June or July and he's from Long Beach, lives in Long Beach and he's already training at that Centino Brothers Wrestling Academy. (laughs) And for people who don't know that, that's a a very well-known wrestling school in Southern California. And it is um, they produce people like Brody King, you know. They've produced a lot of the famous refs, a lot of the, they produce a lot of people who work behind the scenes, not really wrestlers, but, you know, producers and road agents and stuff like that, trainers, the people who don't get enough love, you know, but he's training right now and he always tells me, he's like, hey man, I ran the ropes today, that shit's no joke, (laughs) or I took a bump today and my back hurts, dude, look at this bruise, like he's loving it, and, you know, props to him, good for him, but. I've always just been the type of, like, I can't live. I need to make my own money, you know? I don't want to live at my mom's house. I don't want to pitch in and help with bills, you know? I could. That's not. I could live a comfortable life, but I would rather live a struggling life where I purchase my own home and I'm struggling with the mortgage, you know? I'm paying my bills and being like, wow, I'm really on my own. I'm doing it. Like, this is adulting, you know? So to just uproot and leave... To bet on myself is something I've considered a million times, but is just hard. Like, where would I live in the greater Los Angeles area? You know, where would I? I'm going to be training wrestling, not getting paid. You know, I still have to work, but my body's going to hurt. I have to be in the best shape of my life. You know, I can't just show up. I feel like a lot of people go to wrestling school or MMA training thinking, like, I'll get in shape. You know, it'll help me, but you don't want to show up and be turned into a star you want to show up as a star yeah. you want them to look at you like that that's the guy that's my next hey, now. hey you know that's hey, now. The, oh, oh. <laughs> you you want them to be that's my guy that's yeah. gonna be my i want i want to go to some beat up old rundown wrestlers you know yeah. school and i want them to be like that's that guy is my ticket yeah. to the top again you know take advantage of me please please <laughs> take advantage of me like yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. I wanted to do MMA. My first fight was supposed to be September 29th. Surprise. Uh, I found out right on the show. I'm supposed to fight. Uh, I have the choice. Be I can go 185, mm-hmm. uh, 170, 155, or 145. Currently, I'm sitting at 298. 298? Uh, yeah. Oh, 198. 198. <laughs> oh my, my bad, my God. bad. <laughs> Currently, I'm sitting at 200. You know, 198, 200. Yeah. I've I recently been going back to the gym. I, I do MMA, I really do it every day. I do yeah. train every single day. But the gym, lifting weights and stuff, stuff like that, maybe three times a week, four times a week. 
so it's just hard with this new job. You know, like I said, we're opening the store, so that takes a lot of my time. That the store is not open. We open next Monday. After that, maybe my schedule will die down, yeah. and I can focus more on myself. But then, like right around the corner, you know, I I I, I don't just train wrestling. I love wrestling. I coach wrestling. Uh, I start coaching again in September for you know my I coach kids from kindergarten all the way through high school. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't the best, but that's something I have in me is training. I'm a good trainer. I'm a good coach. I'm a good teacher. And honestly, I'm content with that. If the rest, if I were to like the rest of my life, just me working my nine to five and going home to my family, my dogs, my house, you know, my and then just doing wrestling like three three months out of the year like coaching wrestling for kids dude i've changed kids lives i've i've you know there's no greater reward than that no amount of money can will take away um a child telling me like oh i did it for you coach or i did the move you showed me did you see and i and i won i've never felt a prouder feeling in my life than when we told this kid cruz we're like, um, do the Marauder, do the Marauder. And it's a move where you're behind the person and you trap their leg and you push their head down and you kind of just like pin them. Mm-hmm. And that's a move I teach my high school kids and they will not even learn it. They do not know it. This kid was a, a second grader wrestling yeah. like sixth graders. And he hit that move, yeah. like a move high schoolers cannot hit. First year wrestling. Yeah. Proud, jumped out of my seat. <laughs> the whole gym exploded. Everybody was like... You know, and wrestling fans, they know what that move is, you know? So for them to see that is beyond impressive. It's like you're an indie filmmaker, and this is your debut film, and it's your first year making films, and and you made, like, the Fast series or something. Like, (laughs) dude, people would look at you like, wow. Like, just what's next, you know? Who's next? Oh, little little Bill Goldberg in there. Well, yeah, and I I love hearing that, you know? Not, Not to just, you know, put you over, kid, but, you know. I, I love you and you are you are I, I think you've gotten from from choir and you've gotten from the army and just life uh, you know how you stepped up in your life and how you stepped up for friends and family and different jobs is you are a born leader you are that is that's who you are and and I have seen how the more and more you've taken on leadership roles you've just you flourish you've become your your best self and you know whether it whether it is, MMA, whether it is you're in the main event of uh, insert uh, wrestling promotion that wants to sponsor the show. Uh, no. MLW. <laughs> uh, we prefer AEW. <laughs> we'll take Ring of Honor, too. We'll take Impact. TNA. We'll take MLW. We'll take, uh, we'll New take Major League Wrestling. We'll take Sweet Charlotte. Yeah. Oh, uh, I won't take that. <laughs> I can't be bought by them. But no, I I just... I... I, I I'm so endlessly proud of you. Oh, we're going to do affirmations right now. Stand up. No. I just, I, I love you, and I'm so happy you came and did this because, like I said, you know, struggling storytellers doesn't just have to be someone writing a book. It doesn't just have to be someone, you know, someone going for the 10 pounds of gold. It doesn't have to just be someone uh, being involved in film or something like that. We are, society is based around telling stories. You know, that's what the cavemen were doing around the fires going ooga booga. It's the foundation of everything, and so I'm I'm really happy that you came on, and also that you're going to be the first ever person asked, not just questions, the question. These are questions oh, specific to you. Oh man. Some might repeat for future guests, but these are questions I specifically formulated just for you. It was going to be right. ten, but I I kept it to a smaller number. So the first one, and I'll just I'll move the mic back back and forth like I am Tony Schiavone. Is you can take as much time or as little time as you want. Okay, so I'm going to hit you. Okay, here we go. You're wrestling Mount Rushmore. Dude, I'm not prepared for this. So four. Four people? Yeah. You can give one honorable mention as well. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with um Shawn Michaels. Okay. I think Shawn Michaels. HBK? Yeah. Shawn Michaels is just one of those, wow, like. It's so common now to see small guys in the wrestling industry, but back then, dude, everybody was giant. And Sean, you know, was no uh, twig. You know, he had muscle on him. Steroids, drugs was crazy back then. And Shawn Michaels was one of those that was always open about everything. He, he, he admitted he did steroids. He admitted he did drugs. He admitted to everything. But when you really look at his career from, like, maybe what, like, 
the late 80s, early 80s to current day, he's been regarded as one of the greatest by his peers, by the industry, by everyone. But when people talk about Mount Rushmore, the greatest of all time, you hear Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold, Mankind. You don't really hear Shawn Michaels. It's crazy to me because everybody knows who Shawn Michaels is. The way people know who The Rock is, the way people know John Cena is, everybody knows the Heartbreak Kid. Everybody knows I'm just a sexy boy. Everybody, everybody knows Shawn Michaels. So he he's one of my uh, Mount Rushmores. I'm not going to put Stone Cold up there. One, because I think Stone Cold as a wrestler wasn't didn't cut it for me he wasn't the greatest wrestler he was he's a character you know he's a great character amazing character but people will say the same exact thing about hulk hogan he didn't wrestle he was a character he was this he was that but they'll put him on the mount rushmore because he's hulk hogan but they'll exclude stone cold you know same thing with the undertaker undertaker's a character but the difference between undertaker and them undertaker was phenomenal wrestler he had a different style of wrestling and I'll throw The Undertaker up there, too, just for character work, promo, commitment. Even when he was American Badass, when he wanted to become his true self, people loved him, you know? So I'll throw Shawn Michaels and Undertaker up there. Dude, I sound like such a like such a like younger viewer because I'm not like... I know Coco Beware. I know Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. I know The Rock. I know... Um, I know I know these guys, dude. Like I, I I was obsessed with these guys, dude. Pat Patterson, Lou, uh, Captain Captain Lou, like Bruno. Bruno San Martino, like I know these guys, dude. But they're just for what I consider wrestling as an industry. These guys are the ones that do it. Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, you know, maybe not right now, but one day Triple H will be up there. Yeah. I will look back at Triple H's career. Well, he is done. So. Yeah, he's done, but. Man, dude, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker, that's just a different breed. You have to have John Cena. I hate, I'm <laughs> not a Cena guy, dude, but John Cena is the dude, yeah. dude. Like, come on, like, character, promo, in the ring, outside of the industry, John Cena's the guy, dude. And I think, man, dude, wow, just, yeah, wow. And the last person I was throwing on my Mount Rushmore, I got John Cena, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker. Do you want to take a guess at who you think well, it would be? I, I have one I really hope you're going to. I'm really surprised you haven't said someone. It's Kurt Angle. Oh, thank It is Lord. Kurt <laughs> Angle. Oh. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> it's damn true. Oh, my God. I cannot say oh. enough good things about Kurt Angle. You know... And I and I love I love to make the joke and I always tell you this, dude. If you would have been a wrestling fan from day one, when you were a fan, like when I was a fan as a kid growing up from age one and up, Kurt Angle would have been your guy. Talking, dude, he's an all-American hero. He's an Olympian. He's a legit badass. Can beat your ass, but he is funny. Yeah. He can be serious. He can cry. He can do it all. And people know who Kurt Angle is. If you say Kurt Angle, people know who he is. He's a common name. And I think in the wrestling industry, if people only know you in the wrestling industry, you didn't make it. If you're not a cross-promotional, generational talent, you didn't make it. Like, everyone knows The Rock. Everybody knows Brock Lesnar. Everyone knows The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold. If you don't know the people, you know the name. Yeah. And Kurt Angle's in that boat like Kurt Angle sinks that boat Kurt Angle is Kurt Angle Kurt Angle is amazing dude so yeah my Mount Rushmore on the record is Shawn Michaels The Undertaker John Cena and Kurt Angle very solid choices if if you're a listener and you aren't into wrestling I think that is some of the best and I would say Shawn Michaels Undertaker regard have two of the matches that regarded as grace all time if you ever wanted to get into wrestling those are two Good matches, and also uh, John Cena debuted against Kurt Angle. Uh, that's another good one, and that very true what you said. If I had gotten into wrestling uh, at a younger age, I think Kurt Angle would have been my favorite, and I think right behind him would have been Batista. Those are the two that I think they would have been my guys, and probably Brock also. I love Brock now. Being a wrestling fan is being mad at Brock and then realizing you're only mad at him because you love him so much. Okay, we're <laughs> only on question two. You don't have to name the establishment. But what is the best thing you learned from your worst job? The best thing I learned from my worst job. Yeah. 
My worst job was Army. I'll tell you right now. The <laughs> Army sucks. Dude, the Army sucks. But one thing I did learn, if you're always doing the right thing, if you're always being a good person, obviously you're going to have your lazy days. You're going to have your slacking days. You're going to have your days where you just don't, you can't. That job just taught me, like, if you're always doing the right thing, everything will will come your way. Hate to make it religious, you know, but, man, I just told my friend Jose, I just told him, uh, he's a CEO. He was under investigation for like mistreating an inmate or something, mm-hmm. where he, which he didn't. But you know they can say whatever they want, mm-hmm. and he just got the news on while I was on my way over here that he was not acquitted and he was found, you know, good and everything. Mm-hmm. And I've had a very similar situation that you know about already. Yeah. And all like all, all you can ever do is the right thing and do what you're supposed to do. And I'm a firm believer that if you do that and you live a good life, you know, God will guide you. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not in jail yet, so it's, work- <laughs> it's working. I get I mean, that's a good way to look at it. I talk a lot about how uh, the title of the guy was originally born out of wanting to be the guy of Porterville, California, the one that puts his place on the map so that people don't know what, don't, aren't confused when I talk about Porterville. What is the biggest influence you think Porterville has had on you? It's funny you say that because that was always my dream. I want to be a pro wrestler, and when I when they introduced me, from Porterville, California, and everyone's where's Porterville? Like, I always heard the guys like the wrestlers from Hollywood, from Los Angeles, from why are they all from the same place? Yeah. And then I was growing up, you know, I got older. You know, you're not from Hollywood. You're yeah. from Ohio. Hollywood, Florida. You're from Ohio, Ms. <laughs> Dolph. That was always my biggest dream was. I want to be the guy from Porterville that made it, that people know what Porterville is. And then only just because this city just did it for me, you know? This is, this is home, you know? This is our city. This is yeah. our town. And the prog- and and I like to think that being from Porterville is like a flex. Mm-hmm. Because I saw what Porterville was when we were kids to what it is now, where it's going. Like, we're flourishing yeah. compared to other parts of California. We're... We get new places to eat every other week, yeah. every month, you know? We get new stores. We're getting people move People move to Porterville from all over the world, and then yeah. it creates, you know, our little town, our little rinky-dink farm town in the middle of nowhere is yeah. home. And I've met people from all over the world, and I can honestly say Porterville raises good people. People, Good people come from Porterville. And I think that would probably just be my um, biggest thing is, like, Porterville's just good. It's just a good place. That's what Porterville gave to me, so I want to try to give that back. I agree. Uh, people that did know where Porterville was, I went to college with a few guys from Bakersfield, and uh, you always get that like, "Oh, sorry," sort of thing. And I, I think I, I feel that same way of, is this the the greatest place on earth? Probably not. That probably doesn't even exist. But um, there's that kinship and that you know, there there is a work ethic here, and there are like you said, there's just good people. And the reason why this town continues and it flourishes and, you know, for all of its faults, it is just, it's a good place with good people. Maybe it's not the place we want to spend forever in, but I hope to give back to it in some way as, as do you. What's something you're glad you didn't do differently? Because you always hear people saying, oh, if I could have, I would have done this differently. What's something you're glad, whether it was, you know, whether in the moment it felt great or whether in the moment it, it sucked, but in the long run, what is something that you're glad you didn't do differently? I'm glad I didn't do my army career differently the way that I did. I was very, I walked in with the mindset of, I don't want to make any friends. Everybody has a life back home. They're not going to, they're not going to remember me. They're not going to talk about me when, when they're gone, you know? And I was like, a and a, being in an institution of where everything revolves around rank and the people above me are telling me, you don't do it. I've been in the army 12 years. You know, we've never done it like that. Like, you know, it was very aggravating, very frustrating to be fresh out of high school, 18. And, you know, Roger Sergeant, Roger Sergeant. That's all I could say. You know, once I started to get, you know, I was in the army maybe about two, th- maybe about two months. And I just decided to be myself to just know I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to do things the right way because one, one thing you'll know when you join the military or when you'll see it, everything is supposed to be by the book, like, but no one does anything by the book. Everything is done 
your way or and if it's not your way it's the highway yeah. you know and i have took pride in reading the tms the technical manuals the field manuals the army doctrine pamphlets you know i read all of them i learned my regulations like the back of my hand and i lived my career based off of the regulations that's one thing i would never change like i'm glad i did it the way that i did because like i said god guided me he got me to where i am now and now i'm living probably the best life i could possibly be living at this time what colors are we gonna wear in our celebrity tag match dude it's gotta be black and green yeah it's not even a question suck it Uh, green is both of our favorite colors. I would most definitely wear green. Maybe green and gold. I feel like that's mm. something you've never seen before. Green and, green and silver. Green oh, Ranger. yeah. A little green Ranger action. Yeah. yeah, I'd be okay with that. Green and gold and white. That'd be cool. Green Ranger, white Ranger mixed like up. Oh, Lord Dragon? Oh, wow. Yeah, we could put a little dragon on the tights. <laughs> are you going to be a... I got a question. Are you a trunks guy or are you a tights guy? Well, it depends. I get upset when wrestlers change from trunks to tights. But if you start with tights, ah, well, that's not true because I like I like Dolphs equally. And then like when you got someone like Seth who, yeah, he wore trunks, but he's more known for wearing tights. Oh, I don't know. It depends. Uh, I also don't want to have to shave my legs. So it's like if my legs aren't pumped up properly, they're going to look like little twigs. I don't know. Probably, we'd probably go tights. I think we'd probably be tights. Probably a tights guy. Yeah, okay. Okay, so it's settled. Whenever we both make it in our, our fields and, and he's getting beat down and I'm at ringside and I hop the barricade, that's not a prediction, that's a spoiler. Okay, last question. When it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? I've always said I just don't. When, when everything's done, when I pass away, when everything's done, life's over. My biggest thing, I don't need to leave a legacy behind. I just would hope no one ever had anything bad to say about me is my biggest thing is i try to treat people the way i would want to be treated i'm a good person i'm a, I, I i will start and be the first one to say i am an asshole <laughs> i am douche like I, I i can be a mean person i can be rude but i tend to be that way to people already in my life that i love yeah the more I, I know it. yeah, the more I treat you like an ass, the more of a, the bigger of an ass I am to you is because I love you, because I'm comfortable to be that way with you, because I'm comfortable to tell you the truth, to tell you things you don't want to hear, to I want to see you do better, so I'm gonna tell you you're you're a loser, like you're you're doing nothing, you're not you specifically, I, but I have an idea, <laughs> <laughs> but you know people in my life, like I'm just that kind, I'm that friend, yeah, and um. But just like you, like you've known me since Colonel, you've heard me say the worst of the worst. Like yeah. so, I've always had that experience of in high school and other mediums where people are like, "Oh man, Robert is an asshole. Robert, he's a piece of shit. He's a dick." Like, and I've always had those friends that are like, "He's not. He's he's the good person. Yeah. He's he. You just don't know him yet. You just haven't met him. You're not used to him. That's how he talks. You know, my my friends always defend me." always my family and some people get you know like shocked like oh he is or oh i wouldn't have expected that you know and that's one thing i pride in is that i am a good person and i know i'm a good person and i try to live my life that way and i just hope that when i when it's all said and done there's just nothing but good things to say on my name well i'm happy to hear you say that you know i also i'm a 15 time world champ that that's another not a prediction spoiler yeah well, I'm really happy uh, that, you you know, uh, I think the reason why we're such good friends is because unlike many other people, we know we are assholes and we own up to it. You know, there there are people out there that don't. Uh, but we we know that we are. And that's that's what makes us better than you. No, I'm joking. Baby. But yes, I'm really happy with how this episode uh, turned out. You are like I said, there was no one else that made more sense to have on as the the inaugural the inaugural guest especially as i'm still trying to figure out what the show is, what is this show? what is this show what well is this show? well it's a show about struggling storytellers i finally simplified that so i don't have to be a mush mouth and uh, accidentally say things out of order and go uh, 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 but yeah it's it's a podcast about struggling we live in a day and age where social media we're always we're posting the the best things like here's me flexing looking so great on this day but 
we're not thinking enough about the struggles that go behind everything. For struggling storytellers, you bring up people posting all the time. People post, and, and that's called a story, right? That's yeah. your story, your story yeah. of the day. What are you yeah. doing today? What did you do last year? Yeah. But what are, well, what are people really doing, yeah. you know? And it's like, is that post-worthy? Yeah. You're not doing anything. If we go through my stories right now, it's drink, 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 <laughs> drink. Like, and that's kind of eye-opening. Like, do you ever just look at your memories, and you're like, wow, I did that? Like, yeah. I was doing that? Like, yeah. ugh. Like, I look at them and I'm like, yeah, why did why was that what I chose to put on that yeah. day? Or like, who was I trying to impress with this story? Who did I want to slide up yeah, on this story because exactly. this is how I presented myself? Or, you know, I've even started to, like, I, recently just to keep my Instagram alive, I just like post at the end of the month, like a wrap up. Mm -hmm. And I think about myself, I'm like, you know, I post the pictures that are the best, the most flattering things I find funny or stuff like that. But, and then you think, then I think, and I look back at them, like when I, when I start getting likes, I start thinking like, but what was happening in between the like when I, I did July and June, like July, I had no job. I was stressed the entire month. People were rejecting me. I had I was my bank account was dwindling and just very like at the very end, I got a gig. And so it just that, that, the show is, is all about. It's about we all struggle to bring our art. And a lot of times our art and our lives are intertwined. They, they should be. They are. That's where it comes from. And I think that that's what this show is trying to do as we continue on and i will tell you now i can tell you this is the best episode so far <laughs> we're uh, the top uh, it goes number three right at the top Standard this episode is exclusively for andrew bellish as he listens to this on his two-hour car ride to work but yes thank you so much for joining me i'm definitely going to have you on again i would like that i think that'd be fun to have you recur as you know since you were since you recur in my life well tell the story of what is this guy doing yeah. what is this Veteran doing. Yeah, well, well, we could check up. You know, maybe we'll. I'll pick a number and we'll, we'll check up. You know, maybe we'll we'll see like in a year where 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 we're at. I think it only makes sense to be followed up by Andrew. Yeah, I do. Andrew's very. I I went to lunch with Andrew a couple months ago. Our good friend Andrew Bellish and Andrew. Andrew's so much of a fan. He actually he put out people that could be on the show, which I really appreciated. I would I would very much like to have Andrew because I want to split the difference between you know people that are related to the guy, like people that are you know that I know from my life that can give more context into me as a person, but also people that aren't aren't in the in any sort of you know aren't in film. Want to hear their stories. Yeah. It, it it all you can't have any of it without all of it so gonna wrap up right there thank you so much for listening you can find the show at not just a guy prod prod on the socials that i actually care about on youtube on all your podcatchers uh, on youtube please like subscribe leave a comment leave a comment on what you thought about Lara's mount rushmore of wrestling also last thing i say roberto everybody else says roberto some people say rob some people say robert I just randomly started calling him Lara in high school, mostly just because everybody else called him all four of those other names, or they called him three, and last story to go out on, I remember being corrected by someone uh, who was at times a rival. Uh, she corrected me on on how I called him Roberto, and I was like, you're a footnote in this story, but all respect. But yes, that's going to do it for this edition of Not Just A Guy. I have been your host, Not Just A Guy, The Guy, Garrett Briones. I will talk to you next time. Yeah.